We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our Gut Talk. Hello, Jilly. Hello, Jenny. How are you? Chilly Jilly. Chilly Jilly. My, my newest nickname. Jenna goes through a lot of nicknames for me. There's always something. I, do. I They normally have to do with my gut health. Like when I tested positive for- Candida. You called me- Dita. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then you also called but me- But you do it to yourself because like- like for example, chili, I, chili, jelly. Uh-huh. Jill ate chili three days in a row for almost every single meal. A question for the audience. You're one human being, mm-hmm. you want chili. What do you do? There's no way to make just a cup of chili. You make two meals so that you're not just only eating chili or you do a different lunch. But then the chili goes bad. So my- Yeah, I don't really have a good explanation. My thing with chili is the first day you eat it plain or you dip chips in it. Mm-hmm. The second day you do it with pasta. And then the third day you do it over a potato. Okay. Chili jilly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly why you got that name. All right. Today's a big day. Why? Because we move tomorrow? Yes. And it's hallelujah to that. Thank God. Thank the Lord. I cannot wait to be out of this dang place. No, you know what? It didn't work for us for many different ways. Once yeah. we don't need to go into too much detail, we but don't. you, I think we all know when we're in an environment that we don't like and that doesn't bring out the best of us, in us. And I think Jill and I are both two people that the environment that we're in really matters yeah. and it affects us mentally, physically, in all which ways. And to say we're excited to move on to our new apartments is an understatement. As we've been working through, just getting prepared for the move, we literally moved tomorrow morning. I've packed three boxes. Typical. And Jenna's pretty much packed. Yep. Am I stressed? No. Ask me why, Jen. Why? Because this is my 16th move since going away for college. Yep. I came to the realization that I've actually never re-signed a lease in my life. Yeah, you came to that to that realization with mom, didn't yep, you? Yeah, like two days ago. Mm-hmm. So I've never also decorated an apartment. I've basically been living somewhat like a frat bro for the past decade. Somewhat? Yeah, somewhat. Okay. I'm not full okay. frat bro. I have cute sheets or like a cute comforter. I just hate decorating. Yeah. Like, I've really enjoyed the process this time. Mm-hmm. I don't like spending the money. It's really hard for me to digest the cost of things like a couch. And this is the last thing I'll say, and then we can move on. Headboards are a scam. I think they are a made up thing. It's like Hallmark. It's all these fake holidays. Headboards are a scam. Jill is going to say that until she moves into her new apartment and she bought the soft frame bed with the cute headboards. Okay. About to, and she's going to absolutely be obsessed with what, it looks like. No, it's the fact that like a really nice head frame is $2,000. And I'm, I personally feel that head frames just in general as a whole are ugly. Okay. But I think they truly bring the bed and the room together. You'll see. No. When you get yours, you'll I, see. I lived with a headboard for 18 years growing up as a child. Maybe it wasn't your favorite. No, it's just, I just don't like headboards. I don't think they changed my life. Okay. Well, I beg to differ. But here we are on the way to purchase a headboard. Yep. Yep. We're moving tomorrow. It'll be really exciting. 
we're living in different apartments, which we've already covered. Mm -hmm. I personally am excited because I feel like it'll make our dynamic better. Right now, I think we're, if you have a sister, if you have a sibling in general, but especially a sister, I think you can relate that you can spend any amount of time with them. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you just hear their chewing a little too loud. No, I, have, see, I have misophonia. Like, no. Self-diagnosed. self -di I could go to a doctor right now and he would say, Jenna, you have misophonia. So I'm not going to argue. I, I'll second that diagnosis. I just think this one thing about me and what I like to do is I like to take new situations or experiences as a way to refresh and re reset. Mm -hmm. And I think moving into a new space is a very, not only a way to reset your space, but your mind, your life, your routine, et cetera. And that is what both of us have decided that we will be doing, especially when it comes to fitness, workouts. I've talked about getting back into my workout routine and just life in general. I think being in a place that is not suited for you that can really taint how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your confidence so much. Like we could have a whole episode about what your environment means to you, your body and your health. So hopefully you all listening to this have one that makes you feel good because we know what it feels like to not be in an environment that makes us feel good. And we're changing that. And so that's why we're so excited and we won't stop talking about it. So without further ado, mm -hmm. let's hop into our gut health topic of the day. Yes. Which is three science-backed tips mm -hmm. to help beat bloating. And I think it's important to preface that you struggled with severe bloat for a really long period of time. And as your sister, it was such a painful experience to watch you go through because, and I'm not talking about the bloating of you ate too much food and your stomach's puffed out. This mm -hmm. was a hard, uncomfortable bloat that you experienced. And watching you go through that was so hard because we'd want to go out on a Friday night and your pants literally wouldn't button. Mm -hmm. And it destroyed your confidence. And it was just, as an outsider, it was so hard to know, like there was nothing I could do about it. Mm -hmm. And I never really knew anything about bloating at the time. So it's not like I was able to give you tips or anything, but talk about what the experience of struggling with severe bloating felt like from your perspective. I don't have another good word besides defeating. It's a very defeating feeling to have something wrong. You don't feel good. It also showing on the outside, bloating, making me look, you know, puffy that I've gained weight, etc., and not knowing how to quote unquote fix it. Wow. And that to me was the hardest thing was dealing with something that I didn't know how to change because rewind three, four years ago, not that many people were talking about gut health. Social media wasn't where it is now. Yeah. And so I felt like the only thing that I could do was one, complain to my family and my parents because I didn't want to talk about it in front of my friends or anybody else. It was embarrassing, right? right. It was a very, it felt like a very private matter at the time, which is kind of funny now because right. we talk I'm about like, it I'll on the internet. I'll talk about literally anything, right. bowel movements, you name it. Mm -hmm. But back then, and it may be a little bit longer than that too, it felt as if I was very isolated and mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to go to for help and I didn't know what necessarily what functional medicine was. Like I, I had an idea about it, but I didn't know what it meant to actually like heal your digestive system. So now that I'm on the other side and what I know now, being a practitioner, being in the space, et cetera, I feel like there's very tangible tips 
that we can start discussing more of and going into a little bit more detail. So you're not sitting trying to eat your meal in agony because you know that it's just going to make you bloated after. That's exactly what I experienced. And one thing we talked about for this episode is we live in a time now today where people don't understand that these symptoms that you're trying to fix don't happen with a pill. And I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of them do not the long-term fix. And especially with bloating, I feel like bloating has this is a symptom that has been immediately connected to a de-bloat powder, a greens powder, right? There was a lot of TikToks about, mm-hmm. I take my greens powder every morning and look at me, I have no bloat. Or there was some sort of like formula or tea you could drink. And I think it's really important for us to talk about maybe some of the things that can cause bloating just to start off with. So that way, as we go into these science-backed tips to de-bloat, people can understand this is not something you can just take a pill for and boom, it's gone, you're good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I think a big part of what's going on in your digestive system if you're really bloated is, you know, you're dealing with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth essentially the food is stocked up in your body, microbes, et cetera, and it starts to ferment, which is causing that gas and bloat. A big thing is just like your motility. Your body's not moving things through your digestive system as they should. Maybe it's staying where it is. It's not emptying. And then it starts to ferment. And that's why you really get that gas and bloat. Because if you don't clear things out of the system, yeah. you know, let things go. Yeah. And then- if your body's not supported, your proper, you know, your liver is backed up or maybe it's not putting out, you know, what it needs to your pancreas. There's so many aspects of digestion that need to be working in order for everything to be a process in which in which you digest your food, you absorb it, you defecate, meaning like you poop. Then we have the whole gut microbiome that comes into play. That's all of those microbes and you can have pathogens, you can have parasites, which is a common issue with people. Right. And there are some brands and products out there that can help alleviate it in the short term. Mm-hmm. So With that, I think we have to be mindful that we're not saying don't buy a capsule. Like we've used things before. Mm -hmm. Like one thing that I can think about that we took for a while when we were first getting started was Array. It was one of the first on the market. Mm -hmm. We're not knocking that. We're saying that what that does is that helps alleviate the symptom you're currently feeling. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily attack the root cause. So it's not going to go away. So you have to kind of shift your mindset from, I'm going to take a pill and it goes away to, I'm going to take something to alleviate the immediate pain or discomfort, but you also have to work to eradicating it. Do you like that word? Eradicating? Wow. Good job. Eradicating that. I don't know. That just popped in the brain, (laughs) but like literally eliminating it from your body. So it doesn't keep happening. And I'm not the practitioner here. I'm just, I've, I've talked to you enough. And I think what I get frustrated with when you see the current state of just the advice on social media is it's like, take this powder, take this pill. And if it helps in the moment, fantastic. But you really, I mean, we're a broken record to the people that listen to us consistently Mm -hmm. because it's, what is it? Guess it in your head, root cause Mm -hmm. that you really have to get to. Here's a truth bomb. Fixing and addressing your digestive issues and your digestive health is not a quick fix. It's not a 10 day challenge. It's not found in a three day fast. It is found in everyday practices for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life. Right. And if you are sitting here hoping that a pill, a quick 
fix, a fast, et cetera, is going to fix your digestive issues, you will constantly be doing those things. Right. So part of sharing what we're sharing today is to tell you that you have to cultivate good digestive health always. Right. And it doesn't mean you have to pay attention to each single thing that you do being like, I'm doing this for the better of my digestive health, but you can never neglect it to the point where you just go and then oh, I'll just fast it off Woo. or I'll just, you know, take this array bloat capsule and everything will go away. Wow. And yeah. go and off I, queen. No, I'm saying that because I just see so many of these quick fixes all around these days. And it's such a marketing scheme. Yeah. It's a scam. You want to talk about a scam? Yeah. Quick fixes to cure your digestive health. Cure your bloat. Cure your bloat is a scam. Yeah. Fraud. Fraud. Mm. There's nothing else to say. Canceled. And so our whole point of wanting to educate you guys is to give you the information so that you now know what to do. Right. These are three things that we're talking about today that we want to discuss because we want you to be able to understand these things that you take with you and you run for the next 70 years. Yep. Classes in session. Classes in session. Professor number Judd. one. <laughs> Professor Jenny. Professor Jill. Professor Jill sounds funny. Uh, one thing about Jenna is she used to call herself Luke. Dab my, you're, my you're getting worked up. up. I am. Jenna is getting worked up over people trying to say that you can. <laughs> Jenna is actually sweating That's, over the fact that people think that they can cure their does blood that make with me a, a weenie. Like, am I a weenie for that? No, let's let's have positive self talk. Okay, it, it makes you passionate. Yes, it makes you in the right industry. I, it, yes, I am it, right where I need to be. It makes you working for the people. Amen. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to throw in just a yeah. fun little side note that for whatever reason, when Jenna was a, like a toddler slash a, a small kid, mm -hmm. she used to call herself Lulu. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why. That was so weird. She used to add Lulu on to the end of her name. Cause that's what mom called me. Oh really? We're now entering professor Lulu. Oh. Cause you're not Jenna right now. You're going into class, come on. Oh, class is in session. Yes. Okay, number one, increasing your stomach acidity. This is one that I don't think that a lot of people talk about because it's not glamorous. Maybe a lot of people don't know about it, but having enough stomach acid is so critical to the health of your digestive system and most people don't have enough. It's called hypochlorhydria and it's literally when the stomach is unable to produce enough acid hydrochloric acid if we're getting specific when you see this a lot of times people with acid reflux GERD I really struggle with it Jill yes and for me that looks like I can't break down protein very well mm -hmm. I have a lot of gas in the form of burping which sorry TMI but here this is our life mm -hmm. and for me I think it's my lack of stomach acidity is causing a lot of bacterial issues which we're working on but right. give us some other symptoms that you can well, expect. Bacterial issues is a really good point because a lot of people who have low stomach acid end up getting things like SIBO and IBS because one of the first processes when it comes to your digestive system is your stomach, right? Like after you swallow the food, it goes into your stomach. It's not going anywhere else. Right. So the stomach acid is really important and critical for killing pathogens making sure that the next processes go smoothly. And if you don't have that adequate stomach acid, those processes 
are going to be off or delayed, or maybe that means enzymes aren't going to be produced as much or as rapidly as they should. This is going to cause further issues down the line, like in your small intestine, aka SIBO. Right. Because you're immediately, your digestive process Mm -hmm. is messed up and it's stomach acids at the beginning. So if you don't have the right amount of stomach acid or you don't have enough stomach acid, but I think the problem with it is too, is when you bloat, you can see it. Mm -hmm. When you're constipated, you Mm -hmm. can see it, feel it. Mm -hmm. When you don't have enough stomach acid, there's nothing that really is that telltale sign. Like, I think you can feel that like indigestion, Mm -hmm. right? I definitely can feel it sometimes in the form of, it's almost like nausea, but it's Mm -hmm. higher up in- in my stomach area where mm-hmm. I feel it. But I'm just saying like, it it doesn't correlate to like an immediate physical symptom always, which I think makes it a little harder for people to kind of put a name to a, not a face, a name to like a, a feeling, if that yeah. makes sense. And, but you are right. Acid reflux, nausea, those are symptoms of low stomach acid, yeah. especially if you're eating steak or meat, you can't digest it well. You know that little throw up people get in their yes. mouth? Like I even recently have had it a little mm-hmm. bit where it's like that gross, disgusting feeling. I mean, mm-hmm. it's weird to talk about, but I'm sure there are so many people at home being like, oh my God, that's me. Right, or maybe you're getting excessively full after meals. If you're like, I didn't eat that much, but... I feel so full. Um, it's vitamin deficiencies or mineral deficiencies like B12 or iron typically happens with low stomach acid. So if right now you're listening and you're like, oh my God, that's me. What are some things they can immediately do? Yeah. So, well, first I want to do really quick address why it happens. And I think people need to understand that because that's the reason why you're getting low stomach acid in the first place. A big thing is that doctors typically prescribe antacids because think people think that they have way too much. Mm. So you think you have too much, but usually it's too little because, and you're like, well, that sounds really stupid. If you don't have enough, you're not going to have enough to, uh, to break down everything you need to break down to send it further in your digestive system. Mm -hmm. And that's why it comes back up. Mm. So when you are given antacids, PPIs, et cetera, it's actually suppressing your stomach acid even more, which is making it harder to break down those foods. Wow. Why is this? Yeah. Why is this happening? A lot of people don't understand the concept of hypochlorhydria, low stomach acid. I mean, God. (laughs) Would you believe that? You know what? When you go back to sixth grade now, when they do, what is it called? The health and- They need to talk about stomach acid. Hypochloridia? Hypochlorhydria. I can barely pronounce it. Doesn't matter. Right. Not enough stomach acid. If you're someone who has an H. pylori infection- Oh, Jenna called me Lori at one point. That taints it, but- Think about it. If you're someone with multiple gut infections, start addressing your stomach acid. We'll get to why in a second. The next is decrease in your parasympathetic state. We're going to talk about that in a second, but stress depletes stomach acid. I've never watched my gut health and stress correlate as much as it has in the past. Hold that thought because we're going to it next. Oh no! Yeah, exactly. Some people have a genetic predisposition, so tested in your genes. Often the standard American diet, not eating enough mineral and nutrient-dense foods, that's number three on the list. So again, wait a second. So there's so many reasons why this happens. And if any of these were you and you're like, hmm, light bulb goes off, maybe I'm dealing with low stomach acid. So now, Jill, onto your question of tips. Yeah. How do we start cultivating more stomach acid or stomach acid production in our body. 
first of all, I want to say you must chew your food. Chewing your food is one of the best ways to just ensure that your body is going to be able to actually break that down. So if you were someone like Jill and myself who like to eat fast and we're just literally predisposed to eating fast because our mom did it and our grandma did it. I like to call it inhaling. Inhaling. Mm -hmm. If you inhale your food, please slow down. Next, stress. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about it in a second, but stress depletes stomach acid. I've already said it. I'll say it a hundred more times on this podcast in the future, but it's so important to address your stress. Tangible things that you can literally do or buy in the next few days. Digestive bitters. The bitters help secrete the digestive juices, waking up your digestive system to start its processes. And it works. It helps me so much. So much. In times of stress, I'll immediately go to digestive bitters you're going to ask me what kind. There's a company called Juge, J-U-J. Not our mom. Not our mom, but it's a small business by a friend on our social media. She makes incredible bitters, and I highly recommend them if you want to go support a small business. Organic Olivia has a really good one, too, called Gluco Bitters and Digestive Bitters or something like that. So go look at her bitters, too. That's another small business. Also, apple cider vinegar. That's a great way to start. It's very acidic, right before a meal, diluted in water. And people are going to be like, oh, well, it's not proven by science. No, but guess what? It works. It works, and there's starting to be more, you know, information on it. So true apple cider vinegar, put down the apple cider vinegar vinegar gummies. gummies. Yes. Yes. So you. you can do, I sometimes do bitters and apple cider vinegar together. Another thing that you can do is HCL with pepsin, but that's a more potent, stronger pill. And I would only really recommend you doing that if you know what you're doing, like if you understand the concept of it. Like there's no harm in taking bitters. Like even if you have good stomach acid and you don't need it. Yeah, you can put bitters in mocktails, cocktails, whatever. Like So it's not, there's no risk. You could try it out just to see how you feel. Yeah. Even like bitter foods like arugula, sometimes if I'll have arugula, I'll munch on it. And it really, you can feel your literal like tongue and saliva start acting up. Is that how you pronounce a rug? A rug? I don't know. A rugula. I say a rug. Now I don't okay, even know. Okay, just <laughs> arugula. I think that's how I've said it. Whatever. Yeah, arugula is the way to say it. Arugula. <laughs> I'm sitting here like people are gonna be like, well, I've never heard of arugula. <laughs> it's like what? Uh, the leafy greens i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry that i don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> anyway um and another thing is giving your body time to digest mm-hmm. right for constantly eating meal after meal or always snacking you're not giving your body that ability to just do its processes and fully digest until you eat again so i would give about three to four hours between meals unless otherwise recommended by your doctor this might sound really dumb Mm -hmm. but i have found that when i chew my food slowly and eat slower as a whole i actually get full quicker yeah and sometimes too it still takes me a few minutes to catch up so i always wait 15 minutes or Mm -hmm. so before looking to get more and normally then i don't need more I think that's because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it takes about 20 minutes for your brain and body to actually like process it. Is that true? The 20 minutes things don't entirely quote me on that. Okay. Just partially quote. But you also just partially quote, you know, when you're eating and and you eat so fast because you were hangry as hell 
And then you're like 10 minutes later, like I am so full. You literally have to go vertical. You have to go vertical. No horizontal. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. You have to go horizontal. Everyone gets what we're saying. That's your body being like, okay, hold up a second. If you were to have gone slower, you would have known that this was probably too much food for you to eat. Right. Just chew slower. That's one of the best things. Right. Obviously, mineral-rich foods, especially zinc, which is a precursor to HCL, so zinc-rich foods. Seafood is one of them, oysters, things like that. You can literally Google zinc-rich foods. All of those things are really going to help get those HCL digestive juices flowing to help you break down your food better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, it's it's so, so important if we didn't state it before, because your body relies on that stomach acid to break down the food so that you can then go and absorb it. Lastly, I'll say parasites. If you don't have enough stomach acid to break down, you know, parasites that you potentially have been ingesting, it sounds disgusting, but it's so incredibly important. So again, this is a concept a lot of people don't talk about because it's not glamorous and it's a little bit more scientific, but your body's physiology, like how it's supposed to function, relies on adequate stomach acid. Yeah. So Jenna, break down the burp test for us. Yes. And we're going to do this. So we'll post it on Instagram. Yeah, we're going to do this. So the burp test is a way to understand at home if you're dealing with enough stomach acid or not. So take a fourth a teaspoon of baking soda. Yep. Put it in four ounces of water, Uh sip, chug, whatever you want, drink the water, do it on an empty stomach. And if you do not burp within like three to five minutes, that's a sign that you have low stomach acid. So you should burp. So you should be burping. Okay. And we're going to do that. And we're going to see how our stomach acid is. Every now and then I have this moment of like, what is what has my life come to? How did I get to this moment? Yeah. And talking about burping, being like, don't you worry, guys, we're going to f- record ourselves right. drinking baking soda or Terrifying. baking powder so we can burp on camera for the internet. It's like, how I did know. we get here? But I we're know. here and we're happy to be here. So Amen. anyway. Number two. We're done with the idea of stomach acid, going back to the big picture of bloating. And next is... Decrease stress. Mm. We're going to unstuck ourselves. Mm-hmm. And while this is a concept that we could talk about in 15 different podcast episodes, and we do hope to get more experts on this, I think it's really under- important to understand how stress affects your digestive system. Mm-hmm. First of all, we talk about the, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic states, such as rest and digest versus fight or flight. And a majority of the people these days are in fight or flight. Mm -hmm. We want to be a majority in the parasympathetic rest or digest though. Mm -hmm. So stress causes our body to decrease the blood flow to our digestive system. Mm -hmm. It stops those muscles from contracting, which is really important for like motility and getting things down our digestive tract. Yeah. And it decreases digestive secretion. So like the production of juices, enzyme, et cetera, from helping break down our food. Mm -hmm. And all of these are such important things because if you're, again, if you're not breaking down your food, you are going to be bloated. You are going to feel nauseous. You're not gonna feel good. You're gonna feel depleted. You're gonna feel tired. All of these are symptoms of poor digestive function, which can be caused by stress or being in that fight or flight state. Yep. 
I found saw something recently that was really interesting and I forget exactly where I saw it, but it kind of stuck in my head and it was like, are you living a life where you constantly have to de-stress from it? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, or are you cultivating a life in which yeah, like it's not easy to live in our modern day society, right? Especially with social media and just the emphasis on working hard, play hard. Like we've, we we talked about these concepts. Right, we've we've almost glamorized it to the point where running yourself into the ground Feels is normal. Is the cool thing to do yeah. or it's bragging rights and Jen and I are both sitting here like hold on, where will what will your health look like though in 30 years? Yeah, and I think living a life in which you have to constantly regulate your nervous system or de-stress. And I'm not saying like everyone has dealt, you know, with traumas. Some people have more than others. It's not a comparison game, but are you connecting to nature? Are you putting your phone down? Are, you know, are you doing things daily that are just allowing you to live a life of less stress? Because this is what's going to impact your digestion. I was just going to use myself as an example because I think that one thing that I get frustrated by is when people say, oh, just de-stress or, mm-hmm. oh, just quit your job or move across the country. It's like, I personally have some very stressful things going on in my life that I'll talk about later on, but not mm-hmm. right now. And you came to me recently and you were like, you are not the same person. Mm-hmm. Like you are not the goofy silly jill that i know and one thing that i always pride myself on is just not letting tripping over the little things like it's just not a big deal i could stub half my toe right now and i will be so frustrated by it like everything's a big deal to me and so i have been actively trying to figure out ways to de-stress when i can't quit my job when i can't move across the country i can't get away from the things that are inflicting the stress and it's completely wreaked havoc in my gut so right I was gonna ask how do you feel horrible during this time I mean like again this is TMI I burp I'm literally a trumpet like I (laughs) is that the right word Uh, I think that's terribly farting but like I burp all the time to the point where it's just very annoying Mm -hmm. and inconvenient as well especially when you're supposed to talk for an hour on a podcast Mm -hmm. But so what I've done is I've been taking a pulse on the things that I'm actively doing that are helping me. One, it sounds silly. You have to stop listening to sad music for all Mm -hmm. my Noah Khan, Zach, Brian, the girlies that listen to maybe a little bit more of the like, my heart's broken type music, Mm -hmm. which is me. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. Like you just put yourself kind of in the sad place. I love sad music. I love the chill music. I've been forcing myself. I've literally been searching like happy, upbeat music there are times and places when I love it or like country music for the summertime Mm -hmm. that helps a ton Two, when I wake up in the morning when everyone's like oh I just don't use my phone for the first hour how I don't get it I don't understand how so what I've done is I've immediately picked up my kindle so that way it's just not tiktok or instagram i'm still picking up something so picking up a book for me has been a really great way I have walked into your room and you've been holding your kindle in the morning yeah you come in and it's like, I should probably get out of bed, but I'm just going to finish my chapter. You're kind of like my second alarm clock, okay? if you will. And then third is literally actively checking pulse as to where I am. And sometimes I realize I'm just so stressed out and even just pulsing that I'm like, oh wait, okay, breathe. 
what's one thing I can do right now? And for all of the people that live in the Northern States or Canada or wherever it may be, who can't go outside, I've even just stood next to the window mm-hmm. to just like get whatever type of outside you have available to you, like near you. Mm-hmm. Those are three very simple things, but I have felt like consistently they've helped me. I've been listening to Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Mm-hmm. We've been going back to like the 80s music mm-hmm. because I don't know, I just feel like the vibes were better. It's nostalgic, right? Yeah. <laughs> the vibes were better 40, year, uh-huh. 40 years ago. Can you believe that the 80s was 40 years ago? No. It's insane. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. I just wanted to give you some real examples. Those are tiny things, but it's a combination of the tiny things that make the big things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just changing my music, changing up my morning routine a little bit, mm-hmm. moving to brighter places when I just need a moment. I'm lucky in Texas. I've been keeping my windows open for that fresh airflow because it's been gorgeous here, but I know people don't always have access to that. So those are just the tiny things that I've been able to do. And I love that because one of my dreams is to have a couple of people talk, come on the podcast and talk about nervous system healing, right? And like, there's a deep work that all of us could be doing at certain mm-hmm. points in our life, but a lot of us don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. We're not in the place. We're not ready. We don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think finding those small things can make so much more of an impact than like diving into doing that deep inner healing work right. that maybe sounds so woo-woo at the moment or right. just like, I don't want to do this, so I'm not. So right. finding those small things I love, especially as you are someone who has digestive issues because of her stress right now. Yeah. I think of it as upbeat, but whatever upbeat. you need. Yeah. yeah. I also texted my old therapist. So like, we're going to actually do some work too. Good. But. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm saying like, what are things people can do now? And right. I think that's important to know. It's yeah. like the moral of all of this is that when we are in fight or flight, our body is focused on the stressor and not focus on digesting the food that we want to digest. Yep. So if you are dealing with stress, you are in a stressful state, stressful time in your life. It is no wonder that your digestive issues are impacting you as well. Yeah. And again, it goes hand in hand. Most people wouldn't think, oh, I have a serious bloating issue. It's because I'm stressed. But the science is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Professor Lulu. Amen. Here I am. <laughs> Lastly, decrease your stressors, especially when you're going to sit down at mealtimes. If oh. there's just one thing that you're going to do, just try to do it. I can visualize it now. We're at a really cute, fun, aesthetic dinner. And Jenna's over across from me at the table, taking these obnoxiously long inhales. (laughs) Like you guys, sometimes we aren't built for the nice places. We go to the cutest, nice restaurant in downtown. We're bringing out digestive enzymes, bitters. Jenna's basically meditating. We're committed to the game. Jenna's meditating across the table from me. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, everyone else here, it's 8 p.m. on a Saturday. Everyone's a few cocktails deep. They're literally just messing around, having a silly, goofy time. And Jenna's like, and supplement one and supplement two and breathe in and out. Okay, but I just want to like... There's a time and place for that. I am not like this 100%. I no, think but if you it's are, also, it's because you believe it works and you know oh, it works. I absolutely do. But I do think there's times where you do just need to let go and let right. loose. So let's make that clear. No, for sure. But I absolutely can be the crunchy queen at the end of the table. But no it, doubt. But it's, 
it's the fact that you're still eating at restaurants because yeah, some people God. just cut that out. Yeah. It's the fact that once you do supplement and deep breathing, then we have a blast. Like yeah. you can do both. You can make the experience. Like, why aren't we looking at everyone else being like, why aren't you deep breathing before dinner? Right. Uneducated on your gut health, clearly. Didn't listen to this podcast right. episode. We're going to have to enroll you with Professor Lou. <laughs> Enough. Absolutely enough. All right, let's move on to number three, the last one today. And you guys, if you like this, let us know and we'll keep doing more science-backed tips to support your digestive health. Things that you can start doing that is going to make a profound impact on you. Number three, consuming enough minerals and mineral-rich foods. With the standard American diet, which is the diet that on average most people are consuming, and I'm talking about cereals, ultra processed foods like chips, Doritos, Cheetos, fast foods, highly processed oils, canola oil, vegetable oil, it takes us away from the mineral rich foods that our body truly needs and craves. I talked about briefly zinc, minerals like magnesium, sodium, potassium, copper, iron. That whole element chart. The whole element chart because <laughs> minerals cannot be made by the body. We have to ingest them. Yeah, I love that fact. I feel like a lot of people don't know that. Minerals cannot be made by the body. We have to ingest them. There you go. Thank you and for so, saying it for the people in the back. You're welcome. <laughs> Why I think this is so important is because... A lot of these foods in the standard American diet are pumped with fortified vitamins. So let's take for an example, uh, cereals. Certain cereals don't contain enough vitamins and minerals. So their companies are literally pumping them in the cereals. Go so look at Fruit Loops. I'm, I'm sure it says something like vitamin D in it. So just to be clear, fortified vitamins are not a good thing. Fake. They, mim they try to mimic the vitamins and minerals that are made from, from getting real food. I bet you a lot of people go through the grocery store and say, oh, fortified, vitam fortified with vitamins, great. Me seven years ago, absolutely. Yeah, you're like, actually, this is perfect because my Honey me Nut Cheerios actually get me my vitamin D, beautiful. Yep. Okay, so we're talking now good quality mineral rich foods. Yeah. Real sea salt. Jill and I love Redmond's real salt. Mm -hmm. You can do like Celtic sea salt, pink Himalayan salt. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the raw carrot salad go viral? Carrots are really mineral rich, quality meat products, grass fed, grass finished, quality seafood, dairy, high quality dairy. And I say quality because we have to emphasize it because there's a very big difference between organic pasture raised dairy and Unfortunately, craft cheese slices. Like there's a very different amount of digestive nourishing nutrients in them, right? Eggs, beets, artichokes, coconut oil. I'm just naming things that have minerals in them. So many foods do, but these ones in specific are really gonna give you that nutrient density that our body needs. Mm -hmm. But here's the catch. Our body has to pull the minerals for the food, right? We have to be able to digest, hence the less stress and making sure that you have adequate stomach acid right. to really digest and absorb those nutrients. Because if you're feeding, if you're feeding yourself with Nutri highly nutritious foods, yes, 
but your body isn't capable of breaking that down and absorbing them, then it really doesn't matter. Exactly, because maybe that's when you're dealing with diarrhea or bloating, that food stays there, or you just aren't able to process them, to digest them, and really absorb them. Because what are minerals doing? They're helping with our digestive function. Your cells need nutrients to function literally everything, your body, your energy, your brain health, et cetera. We rely on nutrients from all different types of foods. I literally just named seven out of so many. Another one that I love is bone broth. Bone broth is an amazing, amazing food because you can easily digest it. Is there anything specific people should be looking for when they look for bone broth? Yeah, totally. Grass-fed. We want to get bone broth from quality animals Mm -hmm. because we don't want any of the, you know, extra stuff that low-quality, grain-fed animals pumped or injected with hormones, et cetera. Make sure there's no just added additional flavors or anything like that. You want the true, real bone broth. Yeah, and we'll make a reel on like really good bone broths because I think it will be important. But minerals contain glutamine. It's a really good amino acid for our body. And calcium, magnesium, sulfur, collagen, gelatin. Bone broth has so many amazing nutrients. And especially if you're someone dealing with a lot of digestive issues, if you feel good from consuming bone broth, it's a better way if you are dealing with those issues to like actually absorb nutrients and minerals and amino acids from it. Got it. So Mm -hmm. start focusing on high nutrient dense foods and really try to avoid a lot of those ultra processed foods, foods pumped with their own vitamins from who knows where Mm -hmm. that's going to like try to mimic certain vitamins and literally watch your life change. The adrenal cocktail. We got to make a video on that again because it was really popular at a point, but it it got moved over. The adrenal cocktail got replaced by by the the sleepy sleepy girl. girl I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Adrenal cocktail, such a great way to get in minerals. I OJ, loved that. Yes. And the raw carrot salad was another thing that went viral. It's another great way. It has apple cider vinegar in it and sodium. We need to be consuming an electrolyte power element. Like those things are all critical for our body, our digestive health, cofactors to produce stomach acid and focus your diet on mineral rich foods and literally watch your life change and how you feel. Yeah. And if you can't digest them, the concept that I was taught when I was in school with restorative wellness was go low and slow. So like, don't try to just pump in a ton of mineral rich foods and a bunch of beef and eggs, et cetera, at once. Like start to slowly introduce them into your diet. Maybe you're starting with adding in a raw carrot salad, or maybe you're starting with adding in the adrenal cocktail and take time. Like- to add those foods back in. Yeah. I think that this episode is extremely helpful as a layman here who's not trained in anything. I Mm -hmm. think what you broke down was very easy to digest and very helpful. And as someone who's currently dealing with low stomach acid and struggling to properly digest, I'm not bloating, but I'm in that whole family of those same issues. Mm -hmm. So I feel for everyone going through that right now because it is extremely frustrating and you just kind of feel like you don't have control of your own body and you don't know what's going to kind of kickstart that episode or whatever you want to call it. So I know it can be frustrating, but I do, I mean, this is all science backed. We're Mm -hmm. not like, Hey, like these are the things that helped us. Like they've helped us, but 
this is all it, feel free to search right. the internet like there's science <laughs> yeah, and studies I mean, I could prove. put some articles yeah like in the show links right so i just think that these types of episodes we get nervous that maybe they're not as enjoyable to listen to but um i think that they're really important and it's i think it's i think it's key to continue to disprove some of the stuff that's going around on the internet that all of these quick fixes work because everything you just broke down shows why one you have to prioritize your health for long term but two is like take things slowly you can't fix your gut health overnight and i just i don't know i, I feel really good about this episode so no. That's 100% true. And the last thing I'll say is if you are someone who genuinely wants to achieve better health, better digestive health, you will want to put in the work and start doing things on a daily, weekly basis and not make it your life, but part of your life. And it's I think the sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. yeah. And I think our society's leaning more toward being sick these days. I mean, we don't even need to go into that. Oh, it's a different episode. It's a whole different episode, but it's time we take our health back. Yeah. And I'm having deja vu right now, which is weird. So, okay. Let's end it there. Uh, all right. All right. Until next time. Toodaloo. Bye.